Let us pray. Loving God, we pray that you will give us ears to listen, minds to understand, and hearts to love. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. This is what the Greeks who approached Philip wanted, to see Jesus. And this is what faithful people for many generations wished to see, what they waited for in expectation, to see the Messiah. In today's reading from Jeremiah, we hear prophetic words foreshadowing the coming Messiah. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And then in the letter to the Hebrews, two Psalms are quoted within a passage that focuses on what high priests do. From Psalm 2, 7, you are my son, today I have forgotten today I have begotten you. And from Psalm 110, you are priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. These psalm fragments, when quoted in the letter to the Hebrews, are meant to set Jesus within the tradition of the Judaic priesthood. Yet they set him apart from human high priests by placing Christ in the far more ancient order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is described by some as a quote-unquote mysterious personage. Some in the Jewish tradition think Melchizedek was Shem, one of the sons of Noah. As king of Salem, he was a predecessor of the high priests of Jerusalem. Melchizedek was a priest before the establishment of the Levitical order of high priests, of whom Moses' brother Aaron was the first. Rather than being in a hereditary line of priests, Melchizedek was appointed to be a priest directly by God. And since no sons or grandsons were in line to inherit this priesthood, priests in the order of Melchizedek remain priests forever. Now Melchizedek appears in only one other place in the Bible, in Genesis 14. In this brief appearance, Melchizedek, whose name means king of righteousness, greets Abram upon his victorious return from a battle. And King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, El Elyon. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. Now this is all interesting history to know, but why does it matter? Why, does it, why is it important that Christ even be designated a priest? Jesus is a part of God, so why does he also need to be our high priest? The writer of Hebrews is laying out an argument that situates Jesus in the priestly tradition. But rather than being a human high priest, as Aaron and the Levites were, Hebrews designates Jesus as a different and special kind of priest, a divinely appointed priest forever. 
Like Melchizedek, Jesus was directly designated a priest by God. Also like Melchizedek, Christ offers us bread and wine and the blessing of Elayon, God Most High. As we read in Hebrews 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed. And in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. It matters that Jesus is our high priest because it matters that he was begotten by God to become incarnate as a man so that Christ could then in turn offer himself as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Like Melchizedek, he was chosen to become a high priest. But unlike Melchizedek, Christ did not need to offer sacrifices for his own sin as Christ was without sin. Instead, the sacrifice made by Christ was greater because he, because he made the sacrifice of himself for our sake. As one commentator points out, whereas the earthly high priest makes supplication and sacrifice to God for the expiation of sins, Christ, who is perfect sacrifice, becomes the source of eternal salvation. As another scholar explains, Christ learned from what he suffered. And as a result of his suffering, Christ was perfected. Now this strikes us modern Christians as odd, particularly in light of the claim that Christ was sinless. For Hebrews, perfection has not so much moral as professional connotation. The claim is that Christ, through his human experience, was made fit or suitable for the role that he assumed as heavenly high priest. As we read in the letter to the Hebrews, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now you may be wondering, what difference does this make to our being Christ followers today? You don't have to be a priest or even be discerning or preparing for the priesthood for Christ being our high priest to be relevant to how you choose to live your life. It matters that Jesus is our high priest because in this role, he offers us a pattern to follow. There's an idea in the church of something called the ministry of the baptized or the priesthood of all believers. In the Episcopal church, we recognize this as important enough to offer an explanation of the priesthood of all believers, which is this. The priesthood of all believers is the fundamental doctrine which affirms that all baptized Christians share the eternal priesthood of Jesus. Christ's high priesthood is unique, and his atoning sacrifice was offered once for all. So the royal priesthood of the people of God consists in the offering of ourselves repeatedly in daily obedience in the world. The redemptive work of Christ makes it possible for the people of God to offer their priestly sacrifice of obedient living. The recovery of this doctrine at the Reformation led to the recovering of what we now call the ministry of the laity. 
the whole church is described by our catechism as a royal priesthood. I remember not all that long ago, just nine years ago, when I took my own confirmation classes, the priest asked if any of us knew the four orders of ministry. At that time, I guessed, and I guessed incorrectly, <laughs> I guessed that the four orders were archbishops, bishops, priests, and deacons. And while I was right about bishops, priests, and deacons, the one that I missed was the laity, the one that I was for most of my life. In the catechism, in this, which is a section in the back of our Book of Common Prayer, and it has a, like a really great series of questions and answers about all sorts of aspects of our theology. Uh, when it lists the, the orders of ministry, the laity are listed first. The ministers of the church are laypersons, bishops, priests, and deacons. The prayer book then goes on to describe that the ministry of laypersons is to represent Christ and his church to bear witness to him wherever they may be and according to the gifts given them, to carry on Christ's work of reconciliation in the world, and to take their place in the life, worship, and governance of the church. In other words, you need not be a priest, let alone one in the order of Melchizedek, to play an important role in the ministry of representing Christ and his church in the world. In today's gospel reading, John 12, we hear this. Those who lose their life, those who love their life will lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Living through suffering, and emptying ourselves for others' sake is what perfected Christ, and so too is what perfects us or draws us closer to God. At the same time, suffering also allows us to live with empathy alongside our fellow human beings. And as each believer follows Christ's example in baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit, which guides us through life and helps us live into our baptismal covenant bearing Christ wherever we, may, wherever we may be. God has written his law on our hearts so that we may live as his faithful people. Jesus, as a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, became, became the source of our salvation through his suffering and through his sacrifice for us. And in so doing, Christ made it possible for each of us to take our place in the priesthood of all believers. We live into this priesthood of all believers each time we put someone else's needs ahead of our own, each time we choose not to be served, but to serve. And this is how we live into the ministry of the baptized, bearing the love of Christ wherever in the world we may be. And this is how we bear the image of Christ to those who wish to see Jesus. Amen.